0: Hey everyone my name's monica
1: and i'm josh
0: and we, we rate, rate ratings. ratings because people have opinions but
1: there are two sides to every story back Monica how are you doing today
0: I'm doing all right you know i might have less pep in this episode next week sad to announce i have to go to summer school so i think my body's just like mentally shutting down because of that.
1: Just a psa i am not failing my classes these are all new classes
0: right right yeah it's, i told my cousin the other day i'm like it's a punishment because i went to community college because <laughs> they didn't wow. have um the courses i needed at community so I have to take them in the summer, or else if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to enroll in the classes that I need to in the fall, and then I'd be delayed graduation. And I'm not about
2: that.
1: Well, for all the other students who might be having to take summer classes as well, do you have a sort of a Ned's declassified classified summer school survival guide on what you can expect? I have a lot of friends actually taking summer classes, and I could be. Yeah. I could be, but... I'll just make the fatal error of waiting my summer semester before senior year to jump into all of that.
0: You're right. Well, it actually is the summer before my senior year, so yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I've never taken summer school. I know people have, but everybody tells me I've... Have you ever seen that video where it's like, honey, you've got a big storm (laughs) coming?
1: That's an OG classic. That's a classic Vine right there. We just pulled that out of the cellar, out of the meme vault, (laughs) if you will.
0: Right. But that's what people keep implying is like, oh, you're going to hate your life for that one month. And I'm like, okay, rationally, I'm like, okay, I can do one month of school, you know, just like four weeks, basically because it starts on June 29th, and then ends on July 28th, I'm like, you know, that's just barely shy of a month, it'll be fine, Uh, but I understand, like, all the content is, like, compact within those weeks, because you're basically learning, like, I don't know, four, you know, months of um, work, and, like, again, a month, and so, like, my classes are going to be longer, like, I think I have one class that lasts like two hours that meets twice a week and then I have like another class that meets three hours four days a week so that's gonna be fun (laughs) um but yeah I guess any tips I mean I'm just trying not to sweat it um I'm just like you know it's got to be done and I'm just looking forward to um surviving
1: (laughs) you know stay hydrated it's hot out there Before we stray too far into the abyss of cyberspace, who are we interviewing today, Monica?
0: Uh, We are interviewing Tom Ehrenberg. He's from the communications department against CNIS, like Meredith Cummings, you know. We just have a preference for CNIS people, because like Meredith, well, again, with Meredith, neither of us personally took her. I mean, Josh had her substitute, but... Um, Yeah, but me and Josh have both personally taken Ehrenberg, and we think he's a cool guy. You know, again, um, I think he's specifically a professor for news media, which you're news media, right?
1: Yeah, I'm news media, and I know he does, like, required classes for sports media majors, too, like news media concentrated in sports reporting. But the main class that we're going to talk about and that he teaches is JCM 303 which is both a class Monica and I have taken. Right. It's news writing and reporting. It's the intro to JCM 315, which is obviously advanced news writing and reporting, but it's JCM 303. And I wanted to ask you this because I think it to be true. Mm-hmm. Do you believe like Meredith Cummings and Dr. Roberts, Dr. Chris Roberts, do you think Ehrenberg is another JCM teaching God, if you will? Like if we were making a Parthenon, of demigods but it were jcm professors would he be on the mount rushmore of jcm teaching gods i say yes and the reason why i say yes is because anytime first of all jcm 303 if, even if you're in pr and you're just at the school of cnis i i don't know if it's beyond pr but i know pr news media news media concentrated in sports you all have to take jcm 303 he's the dude first of all that mainly teaches it but he's also really good like he was a really good professor and i loved his class and i know he teaches ethics as well at some point but i think if this were mount olympus or whatever if we were getting all mythological he would be um a Greek JCM demigod to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. And it's kind of odd because even though I agree with that and I feel like a lot of people in the news media department would, um, surprisingly, he doesn't have that many reviews compared to like Meredith or I think even Panic. So I'm a little bit surprised by that. I mean, I think it's, um, I've heard it said before that when people have like, or when people have a good experience, whether it be with other people or like, businesses or whatever they usually don't comment on it it's usually when you have like a negative experience and i can say this as a yelp user it's like you either leave reviews on people or places that are really really good or really really bad so i feel like he's kind of like a person that most people are like oh yeah he's a good professor but maybe they wouldn't go out of their way to rate him so that might be why he doesn't have like as many reviews but i do think he is like top tier like if we had a tier list he'd definitely be s tier in the ACM department
1: well guys you heard what we have to say about dr Ehrenberg. so just strap in get a snack and get ready for this conversation that we are about to engage in with tom Ehrenberg.
0: all right we'll be right back And we're back with Tom Ehrenberg. Tom, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing good. How are you, Monica? How are you, Josh?
1: (laughs) I'm doing fairly well myself.
0: Right, and I agree. So starting off here today, here at UA, which department do you teach, and how long have you been teaching here?
2: Monica, I teach in the Department of Journalism and Creative Media, and I'm finishing my fourth year as a full-time instructor.
1: I'm going to use the New York Times courtesy title of Mr. here. So, Mr. Ehrenberg, what makes you passionate about teaching journalism here at Reese Pfeiffer, and why is it a subject that you love teaching so much?
2: Well, Josh, I think the first thing to understand is that this is my second career. My first career was as a professional journalist for 35 years, almost all of it in Alabama, Birmingham News and Alabama Media Group. So journalism has been my career and my life, and I love it, and I think it's important. And so now I have the opportunity to share with students some of the things that I've learned, some of the things that I think need to be passed on to new journalists, so that journalism can continue to do the job it needs to do in our society. So I love it.
0: So ever since you started teaching at the university, do you have any sort of teaching philosophy or like specific teaching outlook?
2: Well, I'm here to help the students in whatever way they need to be helped, whatever help they want. I try to give it to them. I'm trying to create interesting educational opportunities for them. Uh, I can't make them take advantage. I can just try to show my excitement, try to show that I think it matters. And I really do think that that rubs off on the students. They see that and it makes for a better experience for all of us.
1: And sort of wrapping up before we get to the introduction to our reviews, a similar sort of question that I have was, in your opinion, what sets you apart from other communications professors and professors generally at UA? Because I would say from experience of having you as a professor, you're the tell it to you straight type of professor. And that is what personally gets me started and gets the ball rolling for me. Teachers that are just point blank. This is what we need to do. This is why you do it. But in your opinion, why, what do you think sets you apart from other professors?
2: Well, I don't know if the premise is necessarily true, Josh. There are so many good professors, but you are 100% right. Um, I, I don't do any singing and dancing in the classroom. I have very strong views, not tunnel vision, but strong views on the way I think journalism ought to be. And so I lay it out for the students and they have free reign to agree with me or disagree with me. I just want them to think about what I am telling them. So I think it's fair to say I'm a straight shooter, and I'm not afraid to say that I think certain kinds of practices or trends um, are not good for the profession. And I just want students to think about it and evaluate it. And um, I hope students appreciate that. Some don't. Most do. I think it makes the class more interesting.
1: So starting off before the reviews, looking at your overall Write My Professor score there's two metrics in a sense. There's like level of satisfaction and then level of difficulty. So level of satisfaction or the overall rate my professor score is a 4.7 out of five. And if I was majoring in math, I think it's 9.4 out of 10. And then level of difficulty being a 2.6 out of five, which is roughly a five out of 10. And 100% would take you again based on 10 ratings so not a huge sample pool but 10 people over four years three or four years give or take so pretty consistent
2: yes well i have a graduate level course that i teach that includes data journalism and this is the classic definition of a too small uh, sample size though i'm very appreciative of the 10 students who did ratings um, they're very kind to me Uh, i like those numbers Um, but yes Over four years, 10 ratings, this is clearly too small sample size.
0: And so before I read the first review here, um, I think you mentioned to me before when we were scheduling this meeting that you were aware you only had uh, 10 reviews. So have you looked over these before or were you just like aware of this from colleagues or students?
2: I'm aware of the website. I've been aware of the website for a a long time. Yeah, I kind of want to know what's on there. I think any professor who says they don't care at all is probably not telling the truth, um, but I'm certainly not preoccupied with it. I look at the site after every semester, twice a year, that's it. So I have some interest, but I really pay more attention and put more stock in the SOIs, the Student Opinion of Instruction Surveys that are done in all courses um, by all students, put out by the university. I read those very carefully and those have a lot of influence, over the years have had a lot of influence on how I run my courses
0: and so we might ask you some questions based on your SOIs, but for now, we're just gonna dive into the Rate My Professor reviews. So this first one starts, this is from December of 2017, and it's for JCM 303, and it's a five out of five rating, and it starts with, I had him for lecture and lab and thought he was good. There is a paper that is due almost every Sunday, so be prepared to write many news stories. They are pretty short and easy, so don't worry. When I got my first paper back, I was upset as it was not what I expected. However, he pushes you to reach your capability and wants you to be successful. So our question for you is, why should students get in the habit of writing articles weekly, if they wish to excel in journalism.
2: It's a very good question. Well, first of all, it does surprise me sometimes that student reviews, as much as I appreciate them, are not always accurate. To say that there is in this particular class, to say there is a story due every week, is really not true. There's like 16 weeks in a semester, and there's only. Five weeks in a row that a story is due. Then there's two additional stories that are due with longer deadlines. But there's only five weeks out of 16 in which an immediate story is due that week. And I like that. A lot of students or some students do feel like that's too much right in a row. But I do it and I like it because I believe it's a small taste of the constant grind of journalism. And if you're interested in journalism or just to understand journalism, that's a part of the career is you need to produce, you need to produce constantly. And so this helps for them to feel that a little bit. So for five weeks, I'm good with it.
0: How do you critique student work by being equally honest as well as motivating?
2: Every time I have a new group of students, before I hand back my first-graded stories, I always give an intro. I always explain to them not to be shocked when they see that the whole thing is heavily marked up. Um, Their first reaction tends to be, oh my God, I flunked. But that's not the case. Um, When I grade a story, I mark everything, because I feel like every mark I make is a potential educational opportunity. If the student will read it and take it to heart and apply it to future stories, it's an educational opportunity so I don't let anything go by but I'm also very conscientious at least I try to be and I think I'm telling the truth here I'm always looking for the things that are done right I'm always looking for the things that are done exceptionally well and a lot of those marks all over those papers are compliments students see a mark they tend to think well it's something negative I try very hard to look for any reason I have to mark something positive because that's an educational opportunity also so yeah I mark the hell out of them that's the reason and
1: From the same month, December 2017, this is also JCM 303 and another five out of five. This review starts with Ehrenberg is great. Don't buy the textbook if you have a JCM background. And then in all caps, it says do buy AP style book. Go to class and take notes, clicker attendance questions every day, weekly articles short and really easy if you did journalism in high school fair amount of outside effort, kind of a dry lecturer, but really cool guy. And sort of something that I wanted to start with is it's sort of a mixed opinion with professors on to buy or to not buy the textbook in the classes that you take. And I personally do And I do read the textbooks, but are you a big advocate for students reading the text in these courses and why, if you are?
2: If a course has an assigned textbook, absolutely, buy it and read it. Uh, Professors, I believe, certainly in my case, certainly in most cases I know of, they're not adding a textbook just to create extra work. They're adding a textbook because it's a valuable resource. And they have evaluated the need for that textbook. I have a number of courses with no textbooks because I don't think they need a textbook. But I have other courses that I think need a textbook. And the textbooks are good and valuable. So if the textbook is assigned, yes, buy it and read it. I am aware that the cost of education is going in the wrong direction. And the cost of some textbooks is freaking ridiculous. I've done a number of things. For example, in course, we're talking about JCM 303. I've joined the Access Granted program that provides the JCM 303 textbook for a much cheaper cost. Um, I've got another course that instead of requiring purchase of a textbook, I'm gonna simply give students a free PDF of the textbook. So I'm mindful of the cost and I'm trying to do some things to hold down the cost. But educationally, yeah, buy the textbook, read it.
1: And what resources would you say that you provide in class in taking? those steps for students to succeed, like what resources and steps that students can take outside of class, if they have no background, would you say they can take to get on the fast track for those who did not have a background in journalism?
2: Sure. Well, first of all, I think it starts with um, my lab instructors, Um, JCM 303, as you two guys know. Um, is a combination lecture and lab, and there's like I've lost I've lost count. Depending on the semester, there's anywhere from a dozen to fifteen labs, um, and I only teach one of them. I have uh, lab instructors who teach the others, and they're fabulous, and they get to know the students um, in the smaller labs well their strengths and their weaknesses, and they're available to give help in lab, after lab. Um, We have a designated time toward the end of lab where students can get help from the lab instructor. Um, And then there's other opportunities outside of lab to get help um, from the lab instructors. And again, I think they're all very committed to helping their students. So their lab instructors are a great, great resource. Uh, Another resource that I think is really good and a lot of students take advantage of, though I wish more would, is the Media Writing Center in Rees-Pfeiffer. These are peer mentors, uh, journalism students, or perhaps PR students, who are very accomplished writers. And um, it's an opportunity for students who need or want help with their stories to sit down one-on-one with the student peer and get coaching and advice on a particular assignment they'd be working on at that moment and uh, i think it's a great resource the mentors that we have had um, from semester to semester have always been very very good and students tell me uh, that it's very very helpful to go to the media writing center in reese pfeiffer now that's not to be confused with the also very excellent university Writing Center over in Lloyd Hall that serves the whole university. The one I'm referring to the Media Writing Center does focus on media writing. So that's a great resource.
1: Yes, if I were doing a 10 Commandments, (laughs) as a JCM student, the Media Writing Center would be at the top of my list. It is so great. I think I went there, JCM 303. Yeah, I went to the Media Writing Center. For every single story, I think. Every single story I went to the Media Writing Center. It's, it's for you. It's I really
2: would good. take advantage of it. We're trying to uh, let students know that it's there. Um, but you have to take advantage of it. So a smart move, Josh.
0: And so this next review, we're going to flash forward a little bit to February of 2018. Uh, but this class is... JCM 103, and it's a 5 out of 5 rating. It says, Tom is a wonderful mentor for anyone wishing to go to go into journalism. He is one of only few teachers I've had that bring a real world experience to the table rather than a stack of degrees and certifications. His lectures are very Socratic and informative in his smaller classes. 10 out of 10 would take another class with him. So what real, what real world examples do you bring to class through lectures, assignments, lab, or instructions or discussions? And how does this benefit students, particularly uh, in the communications department?
2: Okay, first of all, another issue with student reviews is sometimes they type wrong. Um, I've never taught 103, that's supposed to be 303. Oh, okay. um, speaking of too small sample size, Every single review that you have um, is from JCM 303, my large lecture course called Beginning News Writing and Reporting. Don't have any reviews from any of my other courses, so I don't know what that means. Um, but um, to to answer that question, yeah, I think it's extremely valuable to bring real world experience into the classroom. And I think students know it. I, I, I Make it clear to them that I have it, and it is reflected in the material, the lectures, the conversations, the discussions that I have with all my students and all my courses. I make a point, though, not to tell war stories from my career. Oh, my God, what a horrible course that would be. (laughs) But I am aware of issues and controversies and particular incidences and particular stories and moments from decades of journalism. And they represent points that I want to make. So I'm constantly bringing in real world examples um, to our lectures uh, and discussions that I think gives it a specificity that students appreciate, a connection to the real world that students appreciate. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great advantage. You know, I think a lot of professors, maybe more than students, realize also have real world experience. I'm not sure how many can say they worked in the profession for 35 years, but virtually all the professors that I'm familiar with they've worked in the real world, and that's a great benefit. Um, so, and I also wouldn't the student who wrote that rating Monica was seemed to be knocking degrees and certifications. Hey, those degrees and certifications are impressive, and they mean something. Um, but yeah, um, I, I like having, um, a lot of experience to draw from.
1: And I'm looking over the reviews and it's all from JCM three Oh three. So I guess a caveat to me looking that over, what is your favorite topic or unit to teach in that course? Cause I know there's a few, all of them being good in my opinion, not trying to be biased, but
2: well, you know, if I, if I'm not. In love with a particular topic, I probably have dropped it out of the rotation by now. I'm in love with all the topics that are in the rotation. Um, but that's a really good question, Josh. I think one of my favorites, perhaps surprisingly, I mean, it's a journalism course. My background is journalism. But one of my favorites is the course I do on public relations and journalism. Because as I mentioned a few minutes ago, most of the students in that large lecture are public relations majors, public relations department smartly requires public relations majors to know some journalism, requires them to take this JCM 303 news writing and reporting course that we've been talking about. And so I I like that particular segment because it um, directly, I hope, I think, makes journalism relevant to PR and gives them insight that they can use. In their eventual chosen profession, because PR and journalism are so intertwined. So that's kind of a change of pace, because I'm really talking about PR, not journalism. Um, that's one that I, that I really like a lot. Another one that I really like a lot is we talk about accuracy, because it's such a big issue. And I like to show examples of journalism that's not accurate. I also do a segment that I like called Bad Journalism, because I think you can learn by reading good journalism. You can also learn by reading bad journalism. I like that one because I get to show a lot of bad journalism. So those are a few that I particularly enjoy.
1: And two months later in April 2018, five out of five review JCM 303. So this class is a pain in the ass, but Ehrenberg is a fantastic lecturer. I learned a ton about journalism. And even though this class is essentially irrelevant to my major, which I want to know what their major is when they're saying that, but I still feel like I got a lot out of it. Be prepared to write a lot and focus on trying to get a good lab TA because they're the ones who do the grading. And I'm not sure, um, aside from news media and news media concentrated in sports, Aside from those majors and PR majors, um, for other majors, why should this class be taken if students have the opportunity? And what can they learn that if, even if it is quote-unquote irrelevant to someone's major, what can they benefit from taking this class?
2: Well, Josh, that's the perfect follow-up question to what I was just talking about a few minutes ago. Um, I don't know that student's major. I would also like to know what it is. My guess is that it's a PR. And that particular comment really frustrated me because I've tried so hard to get those PR majors who have to be in that course to understand why it's important for them. And I think I get through to most of them some uh i never get through to this might be one student that i didn't get through to and that's very frustrating uh whenever it happens you know it's it's 200 250 students so i'm not going to reach everybody but yeah that 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 comment uh way more than the pain in the ass comment that comment about irrelevant to the major um was the most frustrating comment i read but to answer your question um You know, yeah, it's a journalism course, but it's really a communications course. It's about how to gather and disseminate, probably in the form of writing, but not necessarily in the form of writing, how to gather and disseminate accurate information and communicate so that something can be accomplished. Name me one field. Name me one career where you don't need that ability. There's no such career, there's no such field where the ability to write, the ability to gather information, the ability to communicate doesn't matter. It's all of them. So I would argue for any major, for a person with any career ambitions, there is some applicability and relevance to a basic journalism type course. There's many ways to learn those skills. But journalism is a good one.
0: And so this next review comes from May of 2018, um, and it's a three out of five. It starts off with, this is a W credit, so it's a lot of news articles, like one per week, complete with interviews, etc. It's not super easy, but if you get a t- good TA, you'll be fine. His lectures aren't exactly captivating, but he does clicker points, so just go to get those what is your initial reaction to students calling you a dry lecturer? Do you think it fits with the class or is this something you wish to improve on going forward?
2: Well, um, being bluntly honest, um, looking at all of my SOIs, I actually get pretty high marks for my lectures. Like I said, it's 250 students sometimes You want to reach all 250 students. You want them all glued to you and every word that you're saying. But look, that ain't going to happen. There are going to be students that just don't find the topic interesting. They just don't find me interesting. They don't find my lecture style interesting. That's going to happen. I just want that to be a minority. I think it is a minority. But um, believe me, I'm always updating uh, my material. I'm looking for more interesting material. Occasionally, I foolishly even try to be humorous. So yeah, look, I'm always trying to find something that will engage the students and hold their attention. And if it's not always successful with every student, I'm disappointed, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm just going to try. I am going to try, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it.
1: And this one comes from April, 2019, another five out of five JCM 303. I'm not a journalism major, so I did not want to take this class. However, Tom knows what he's talking about and his lectures are great. So this is quite the opposite of the previous review. I highly recommend getting out of bed and attending his classes to get the most from this class. Lecture attendance is not mandatory. Go to the media center and you can get four extra credit points on each story. And we've asked this question before, I believe, but has class attendance just generally ever been an issue for this course? And particularly with the pandemic, has it gotten worse or has the issue even changed at all?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Josh, Um, and it's a big issue. Um, Careful listeners may recognize that the reviews have said different things about my policy on attendance. Uh, That's because I've gone back and forward. Um, Attendance for many semesters was absolutely mandatory. I'm a big believer in attendance, in effort, if you're gonna learn the stuff. And this is what I call a gateway course, where you learn basics that are essential to success in future courses. You don't get those skills and that knowledge. You're in some trouble in later courses. And certainly if you want to make it a career. So mandating attendance for a gateway course, makes a lot of sense to me um and as i said i like to re- reward students who make the effort um but then i tried an experiment because i've been talking to some professor friends of mine who didn't require attendance in their courses and they make persuasive arguments about not making attendance mandatory um why force students to be somewhere they don't want to be? It's up to them if they want to learn the material. If they can learn the material without being in course in the course, what's wrong with that? So, you know, it wasn't my viewpoint, but I decided to try it for one semester. So I made attendance optional. And no shock, attendance dropped off dramatically. Guess what? So did story scores. So did quiz scores. So did performance by the students, at least as I was able to measure it numerically in the grade center. So I did my experiment. I didn't like the results. So I decided never again would I make attendance optional. And then, boom, the pandemic came along. And JCM 303 became 100% by Zoom. And I pretty much had no choice but to make attendance optional. So now that we're gonna be back in the classroom in the fall, I've got a decision to make, which I actually have not made yet, about whether I'm gonna go back to mandatory attendance or not. Mandatory attendance requires clickers. One of the ratings that you read referred to clickers I'm not real enamored of clickers. I don't like making students buy clickers, the expense. Anyway, it's a debate I'm right in the middle of. So if any of my students are listening and they're gonna have me in the fall, they can send me an email about whether I should or shouldn't make attendance mandatory. I've found that some students like it actually because it's an easy way to get some points toward their grade.
1: And on the topic of student attendance, you already mentioned how absences can affect student progress in the course through grades, how sympathetic and, or understanding are you to student absences? Is it a all or none, you either attend or you don't, or are there gray areas to where some absences are acceptable, but not all?
2: Well, since we're talking about JCM 303, um, Why don't I talk about my policy in that particular course? Um, In my other courses, my attendance policy is like the policies of most professors. The syllabus itemizes reasons for excused absences, and there's no penalty for an excused absence. And then you're allowed one or two unexcused absences. That's the other courses. JCM 303, and I understand this is a little controversial, but... It's fairly common for large lecture courses like JCM 303. I don't entertain excused or unexcused absences. I simply tell students, at least during the semesters when attendance was required, I simply tell students, you got five free absences. There's only like 25 lectures. So you can miss one out of every five lectures. I think that's pretty general, generous, excuse me. Um, So I don't get into a definition of what's excused or unexcused. You get to be gone five times. And if you're gone six times, you lose a point. And no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to entertain the reason why you had to be gone the sixth time. So don't blow your first five for frivolous reasons
0: and so this is our last review today and it's pretty recent it's from april of 2021 and it's a five out of five and it starts with Ehrenberg was amazing would take him every semester if i could epitome of a man who actually cares about his students how would you say that you go out of your way to make students feel comfortable and excited about this course
2: good question monica Uh, i think students pick up on the teacher's attitude. If the teacher loves the subject, if the teacher loves to be teaching, if the teacher believes that what they're talking about is important and that every student get it, I think the students see that. And I think it motivates them, not all of them, almost all of them. It motivates them, and if the teacher cares, they're gonna care. Um, It's really hard, not that I've ever done it, but it's really hard to teach a course that you're tired of, to teach a course that you really wish you hadn't been assigned. Uh, Students will figure that out fairly quickly, I think. Um, So I uh, I think that's probably secret.
1: And Jen, moving on to just other questions unrelated to reviews, at least in my experience, when students like JCM majors are looking to take JCM 303 and other upper level courses, your name comes up a lot in the conversation. Again, this could just be for me, Monica, you can chime in as well. But In terms of that, a lot of people know you and love you as a professor. Why do you believe you are so popular among JCM students for whatever class? And you could bring in JCM 303 and other courses that you teach as well. But from what I know, JCM 303 is the big one.
2: Uh, Well, I'm thrilled that that's the case. Um, You want the names of some students who don't like me at all because I got them they're out there. Um, I think one thing that helps me in addition to loving what I do and loving the subject and believing it's important things we've already talked about. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that I was a student too. Um, cause when I decided I'd had enough of my journalism career, um, I went back to school at the University of Alabama to get my master's degree. I was what they call a non-traditional student. Translation, old as dirt. And it wasn't that long ago. It was, uh, got that degree in 2016, I think I'm right. 2016. It was a two-year program and I really put my mind to it and I got it done in two and a half. Um, But it it wasn't that long ago that I was a student. So I kind of can identify, I kind of remember what it's like to be a student um, rather than 40 years ago. Um, and, And I think that that helps me to understand their situation. Um, And maybe that helps a little bit to explain the connection that I may have with a lot of students. I'm not sure why. I'm just glad that that is the case.
1: And in the process of getting your degree, um, were you what would be some particular challenges that you had to face in those two years? Like, are there any that just jump off the page of like, this was hard to do, but I overcame it and accomplished it?
2: Oh, gosh, Josh and Monica, how much time do you have? <laughs> this is a four-hour podcast, right? right? <laughs> just to make sure. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to Get specific and numerical here, Josh, but the number of decades between my undergrad degree and my graduate degree, um, quite substantial. Um, So, I mean, I didn't remember anything about what it was like to go to college because it wasn't back then anything like what it is now. Um, I had a number of challenges from really small, stupid stuff, um, at the risk of embarrassing myself, I'll go ahead and tell you this one. But like, before my very first day of my first semester, my first year, I'm trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go and when I'm supposed to go to my classes. And I'm looking on my Bama, and I'm looking at days that the classes meet. And I have a class with an R. Well, there's no day of the week that begins with R. I don't know when the hell I'm supposed to go to this class. I didn't know what R meant. I would to ask someone what R meant. So I was like hysterical for a day and a half because I didn't know what R meant. Anyway, I figured that out. Um, to some larger... Um, I don't know if i call them difficulties, but transitions, perhaps. Um, you know, as a journalist for multiple decades, the focus is to write your stories at like a fifth or sixth grade level, simple and clear and in a certain kind of organization. And all of a sudden, I hope I'm not insulting a whole field here, but I guess I am. And all of a sudden, I have to start writing academic papers. Well, there's not a whole lot of similarity between journalistic writing and academic writing. Um, Trying to suddenly be complex and complicated was very hard. Um, But... um, Eventually, I figured out how to write an academic paper and to uh, break a few of the journalism habits that I was so used to. But um, it really was a great experience uh, going back to school at a very advanced age. All of the uh, young kids—I um, still call them kids—all of the young kids could not have been kinder. My teachers could not have been kinder and more helpful. Um, my classmates could not have been kinder and more helpful um i was actually in one class this is how bad it was uh in in terms of demographic differences i was in one class with a classmate great guy very helpful to me i remember the day he was born because he was the son of a friend i remember the day he was born and his father was handing out cigars or something. And now here I am sitting in a classroom in the year whatever it was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama with this kid as a classmate learning stuff. And I remember the day he was born, but everyone was great to me and it was great experience and I'm really glad I did it and it led to this job, um, which is fabulous. And
0: so kind of transitioning back into the reviews here, uh, there were no negative reviews under your rate, my professor. But that being said, do you believe the platform is an accurate or fair model for students to gauge whether or not to take a professor's course when no criticisms are made?
2: Um, well, no, I, I don't think it's a good gauge when you only have 10 reviews. Right. Um, and I think in general, I think Any information you can get that seems credible uh, on a professor, I I think, is useful. Um, I do think students should know more about the professors that the university puts up in front of them. Um, So I think that's all fine. It's just I don't know that I would draw judgments based on what a few other students say because you never quite know why they say what they said. you, a new student, a different student may have different interests and different reactions. And some students take well to one style of teaching and other students take well to a different style of teaching. So I think, I think it's good and useful information, but it can't be the be all end all that, um, that, that makes you decide whether to take a course or not. Um, I mean, I, I think there are some times where maybe you just take a course because you think the professor's great. That's good. I'm I'm fine with that. But I think you pick a course because it's a topic you want to learn about, and um, you know students aren't promised great teachers every year, every semester, or every course. Um, the number of students who have gone through college and loved every single professor. Is exactly zero in the history of the world, and that's okay too because that's what the real world is like. You're going to have colleagues, you're going to have bosses that you may not like. You got to learn to deal with that. And look, a semester is only four months. You can do anything for four months, right? So yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's fine. I think it's useful. Um, you just can't put too much stock into it.
1: And similarly, we had a brief conversation about student SOIs earlier, but because SOIs offer more required or possible fields for students to write in, would you say student SOIs are more useful to you as a professor? And then off the top of your head, do you have any memorable SOIs that you remember receiving?
2: Uh, Yes, I think the SOIs are much more useful. Um, they're much more specific. they're much more detailed. Uh, i I can safely say that every course I have ever taught and am teaching now is better than it was because I made changes directly as a result of SOIS. Um, so yeah I, I I pay great heed to those. Um, memorable ones. Um, yeah, I mean, I've gotten some extraordinarily complimentary ones that I'm very grateful for. I think my students have been, uh, very kind to me, uh, over the years. So, yeah, I mean, I remember, um, in fact, I've even got one that's excerpted on, uh, my, uh, website. I've got a professional website, TomErenberg.net. That's a plug for my website. It has a blog called the Aaron blog, TomErenberg.net slash blog. It's completely non-commercial. I'm not making any money off of uh, that plug. Um, But yeah, there there have been some very kind ones. Now, um, some negative ones stand out too, of course. Um, the ones that I'm always um, interested to see every semester, and there's always one or two. Um, we talked, Josh, earlier about being a straight shooter and all. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of let uh, students know um, how I feel about certain issues related to journalism. And sometimes students interpret that as my letting them know how I feel about issues related to politics. Not the same thing, but they think it's the same thing. Um, And so I get uh, hammered, I don't know, by one or two or three students every semester to uh, please keep politics out of the course. Well, I would argue that it's not politics, um, the things that I'm talking about. Um, I also argue, well, let's say I do. So what? You're there to get exposure to different ideas. Are you not? So that you can learn critical thinking skills that allow you to decide whether you agree or think it's baloney? Are you not there to learn critical thinking skills? Yeah, I think so. so. I mean, what's the harm? What's the harm? But the ones that take me to task for being... Too political, Um, in a way. I'm kind of glad they're they're there, but um, they kind of stick with me for a while because it kind of disappoints me that students don't take some students don't take well to that. I think that's disappointing.
1: And we talked a bit about this earlier regarding attendance and the debacle of requiring attendance or not requiring, but for other possible reasons. Are you looking forward to a new semester with fewer restrictions and in-person classes following this upcoming fall semester?
2: Oh, my God, yes. I am absolutely ready to get back into the classroom, and I think the students are, too. At least I hope the students are. Um, Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that uh, professors are going to have to figure out, is whether a year of mostly online learning has lowered retention of information. Maybe more review is gonna be necessary this coming semester because the students didn't get everything no fault of their own. Students didn't get everything they needed to get in earlier foundational courses of the past year to succeed in the courses they're going to be having once we're back to normal. Um, It's going to be interesting to see um, if students are educationally behind or affected uh, in any way. Um, Heck, it's going to be interesting just to see if students can get back into the habit of getting out of bed and getting to a classroom on time uh i mean think about this the the freshmen and the sophomores most of them i don't know if i should say have never been in a classroom because we weren't totally online but we were a lot online there are some freshmen and sophomores who have never been in a classroom so i think it's going to be uh perhaps a difficult transition i hope it's not But yeah, I'm ready to get back in the classroom. I hope I can remember how to lecture.
0: And so as we end off, we only have one classic journalism or journalistic question that is, is um, before we end off, do you have any final comments?
2: No, I just appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to you and talk to your listeners. Um, I think it's really great that um, students are actively involved in media on campus, Um, Crimson White and all the other uh, media that we have on campus. Um, Hey, look, you know, my courses are wonderful, right? That's the whole point of those rate, my professor ratings, they're great, they're fabulous, but you wanna learn to do some journalism, go do it for real with campus media for crying out loud. That's the best way to do it. I'm glad that you guys are involved and a lot of my students are involved and I'm glad to see that it's not just the written word anymore. Um, you guys are doing this very interesting podcast because there's all kinds of ways to get information uh, out to people. So I think this is uh, really great and I appreciate that y'all would consider me to talk to.
0: Well, we thank you for uh, agreeing to join us today.
2: And I thank you
0: guys. See you, Yeah, we'll
1: see you. I'll see you in the fall. <laughs> well, everybody, welcome back to Just Us Talking. Did you miss us? We hope you enjoyed our conversation with mr tom ehrenberg for anybody who needs to take jcm 303 he's probably still the professor to teach well
0: i think how it works is that he's the only lecturer so with that class you have to sign up for a lecture and a lab and so he's the only one that lectures for it i'm pretty sure at least he did in the spring but then Uh when you sign up for lab you have the option to take him and like he said before, there's like a dozen or so different like TAs for the lab. So you can either choose to take him for both the lecture and the lab, or you can just take him for lecture and take somebody else for a lab. So as we're concluding, uh, we're gonna plug our social medias of course. Again, Twitter, Insta, y'all know the drill. We rate ratings, no underscores, no periods, nothing like that. It's just a quirky little thing we like to plug to remind y'all that that's where we put our bonus content. That's where we'll have updates and little things like that. And you should check it out also because typically, uh, if our guest has a Twitter, we try to, like, at them on our bonuses. And sometimes they'll have, like, little things to say about the bonuses we put up. Like, I know Meredith retweeted one of ours and also John Bridger Gilmore He also had something to say about our little outtakes and stuff. So it's just like a fun time, you know, get connected with these people after we interview them. I love Meredith's Twitter. I love John's Twitter, you know, um, so just get connected with us.
1: And not only do you get free content from us and our guests, it's sort of like a Patreon, but students, fellow classmates, you can submit your requests through tweets, through direct messages, either on Twitter, Instagram, through Instagram, comments on our bonus content of a professor that you think we should get in contact with. Of course, it's a two-way street. We have to send them the message and they have to accept it. We're right. not going to get a professor on who doesn't want to be on. Right. You guys have any professors, any student professors who have a Rate My Professor page? So grad students, any... Um, businesses or places on campus that happen to have review pages on Facebook or through Google or through Yelp, etc. We want to hear from you. And professors, business owners, we also want to hear from you. If you have a little humble brag and you know you have a repertoire of good reviews, or if you're too scared to check your Yelp page alone, we can do it with you. It's in good company. We don't laugh at you. We laugh with you. And if we're uncomfortable, we laugh even harder. So what's wrong <laughs> with that? I think there's I think there's plenty of good opportunities for anybody who wants to see an episode that maybe we haven't covered. Again, Instagram, Twitter, at Ratings.
0: So thank you for joining me today, Josh.
1: Thank you for letting me on, Monica.
0: Of course. And we'll see you guys next week.
1: Bye. Bye. Talk Bye. to you later. Toodles.
0: Bye. <laughs> This podcast is a Crimson White production co-hosted by Monica Nakashima and Josh Liberti. The audio editing and mixing was produced by Monica, Josh, and Crimson White culture editor Jeffrey Kelly. The introduction song featured is Stardust by Jay Jen, taken from YouTube channel Audio Library Plus, which offers downloadable free and safe music for content creators without copyright issues.